God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Sunday, February 18th, 2024. A bright sunny day. A couple of inches of snow out there. And a, quite a breeze whipping through. I want to talk this morning. The message this morning is God is patient. On the uh, front of the bulletin, there's a quote, a scripture quote that is not in the in the message, but is on topic. It says, "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance." Second Peter three nine. God is patient. The things that go on around us, God is trying to get our attention. In um, Exodus 34, beginning with verse 5, which is on page 62, if you're reading the Pew Bible, I think we have all the same version up here now. We did have one that was a different version, so the numbers were off. Now the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there, him being Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and, be, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." God is proclaiming his glory. He is introducing himself to Moses. Now, he's already introduced him at the burning bush. And God, and God has been leading Moses and, and putting, you know, telling him what to say. He gave him uh, Aaron to, to basically be a, a spokesperson for, for him. He's been guiding him along. But here he is. They're on Mount Sinai. This is where God has just given him the Ten Commandments. He's given him the tablets of stone, but he introduces himself. He declares and proclaims who he is. And God, in describing himself, says he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering, which is patient. Not just patient. Patient. Patience over time. God is gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in truth. God describing himself, describing his attributes. And it's interesting. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. Remember, I've talked about this, that the word that's translated as name means character, honor, and authority. God describes who he is. That's why scripture say, says a good name is, is more to be desired than rubies. You know, because it's that who you are, that, that essence, that definition of who you are, your character, your honor, your authority. The way you conduct yourself, the way you act, who you are when no one's looking, all of those things come into your name. So God declaring his name says he's merciful and gracious and long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in truth. God just describing who he is. And so many times we'll read something like that and we try to put it in our own understanding, our own knowledge, our own, you know, our own frame of reference. And I don't know about you, my frame of reference can't comprehend how wondrous God is. But I get little glimpses here and there. 
uh, you remember when the when the book and then the movie The Shack came out, and there was a lot of people that were uh, upset because of the way God was portrayed in the movie The Shack and in the book The Shack. And I get that. But there are people that spend their entire life going over and over and over and over studying the Bible. And every time they do it, there's something else that comes up. There's something else they, they glean. There's something else they understand. When we learn about God, there are depths of the riches of knowledge of God we haven't even begun to scratch. So for them to take a two-hour movie and try to condense everything about God in this movie, it's not going to happen. You know? Um, back when I was in the Navy, I became a Tom Clancy fan. And one of the first books I read that made me a Tom Clancy fan was Hunt for Red October. Now, I was working anti-submarine warfare on the Nimitz when that book came out. Everyone in the shop read it. Everyone in the shop agreed that had we seen the manuscript before it was published, we would have stamped it classified because it was that well-researched. They made the movie of a 600-page book, and they had to leave out a whole bunch of stuff. If they can't put a 600-page book into a two-hour movie, how in the world can people encompass all that God is in a two-hour movie? So what I gleaned from that movie and what I tried to encourage things with is this does not describe who God is, but it gives a glimpse of the love of God and the care, the care of God. So if we take that all we get is a glimpse all we get is a glimpse in that movie. All we get is a glimpse in our life as we understand more and more of who God is and what he's doing. God describes himself as long-suffering or patient. This is going to be important later on when we get a little bit farther into the message. But that's who God is. God is patient. Take a look at your own life and your own testimony. What has God brought you through and how has he shown his patience toward you? God was there waiting for me when I stopped running after 16 years of not darkening a church door. I know that God is patient. I know that God is loving. I know that God draws us. And I know it's not his will that any should perish. What we just read. So let's go on. Romans 15, beginning with verse 1. It's on page 766. gone quite a ways from Exodus to Romans. A lot of things didn't happened in the world. But as Paul writes to the Romans here in verse uh, chapter 15, he says, We who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Therefore receive you one another, just as Christ also received us for the glory of God. Paul writing to the Romans says, the way you treat others should be the way, it should be a reflection of what you understand of God. God is patient toward us, we ought to be patient toward other people. God is encouraging toward us, we ought to encourage other people. It says, verse 4 in there says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. We might gain more and more understanding based on what we learn, what we glean in the scriptures. So here in Romans 15, verse 4, Paul is talking about uh, the comfort of the, that we learn of the patience. Written, the things that were written before were written for our learning. Back in Exodus, God describes himself as long-suffering. The things that were written before were written for our learning. The things that, that we have a record of are written to encourage us, to teach us, to guide us. We learn that God is patience. Here he's called the God of patience, working in us. God of patience, working through us. And we get that patience that we've learned from God as we've seen God work, as we've seen God work in our circumstances, as we've seen him work in our situations, as we've seen him change our lives. I know that God is real. I know that God has my best in mind. Because I've been through some situations that were very, very difficult. I've been through some situations that were very, very painful. I've been through some situations that I didn't see a way out of. Yet, looking back, I can see how God was at work guiding. Just like I talked a few minutes ago uh, about you know, trying to, to set up with, a, with a, a church while we were on vacation and just, it didn't happen. And the way it didn't happen was just bizarre. But it didn't happen. One thing I forgot to, to say a few minutes ago, they met at the Holiday Inn, that church met at the Holiday Inn for two months just before COVID. They haven't been there since. Yet that was the address I found for the church. At any rate, God directs our steps. He's at work in it. In Psalm 86, which is page 403, 86 starting with verse 15. Psalm of David says, But you, O Lord, are, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give, me your, give your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaiden. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. David, known as a man after God's own heart, not as a perfect man. David was messed up in a lot of different ways. But when David got confronted, he didn't try to deny. He didn't say like Adam did, that woman you gave me. She brought me the fruit and I did eat of it. When David got confronted, he repented. When David got uh, the obstacle, he said, or when, when he went up against Goliath, he, uh, you know the story, he was sent by his father to carry some food to his brothers who were serving in the army. And he gets there, and the armies of Israel are on one side of the valley. The armies of, of the Philistines are on the other side of the valley. The champion of the Philistines, a giant named Goliath, is coming out and insulting God and insulting the armies of, of Israel. And David says, what's up with this guy? 
How come y'all are allowing this uncircumcised Philistine to revile and rebuke our God? Nobody wanted to go out. He said, I'll go because I know God is in control. And he was willing to go. He said, he said, your servant has fought the lion and the bear and killed them. And this Philistine will be like one of them and God will deliver him into my hand. He knew who God was. Didn't mean he was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But he had a heart to know who God is. And that knowledge of knowing God, that knowledge of seeing God preserve him and bring him through, just strengthened his faith and bolstered him up. Knowing that God loved him. That's why he could go running to God as soon as he, he got confronted in his sin. Because he knew God loved him. He knew God was patient. I'm not going to flip it back, back up there, but back in Exodus where we started, verse 30, uh, Exodus 34, 7 says, Keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So you look at that and God says, I'm willing to forgive sin, but it takes that repentance. It takes turning back to God. God is patient and long-suffering and merciful. He for, he's forgiving, knowing who God is, knowing that God desires to draw us close, desires us in his presence. Verse uh, or Romans nine, verse beginning with verse twenty two, which is on page seven sixty two. Paul is, or yeah, Paul writing to the Romans, to the Jews in Rome. Actually, no, writing concerning the Jews in Rome. He's talking about how the the Jews had turned away from God because of Jesus and that, that God had opened the door to allow the Gentiles to come in that reconciliation through, through Jesus to draw even the Gentiles into his presence so verse 22 says what if God willing to show his wrath and make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepped for destruction in other words what if God was patient with those people who were disobedient to him I don't know about you. I spent a good portion of my life being disobedient to God. I am very grateful he was patient. Very grateful his arms were outstretched. Very grateful he was drawing me by his spirit. And continues to draw me by his spirit. I don't yet come down from the mountain with a glow on my face so I have to put a veil on. Moses had so much time in the presence of the Lord that the people couldn't bear to look on him. Lord... Shine your presence in my life so much that they don't see me anymore. They only see you. Verse 23. Romans 9, verse 23. Then that he might make it known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy whom he had prepared beforehand. God wants to display his glory. Even on us whom he called, not the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. And also, as he, as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the places where it was said of them, you are not my people. They shall be called the sons of the living God. 
God's desire for us to walk with Him. God's desire for us to serve Him. God's desire for us to know Him is evident in His patience that He is waiting, that He is drawing, that He is leading us, that He wants us in His presence. Now we're going to take a slightly different turn here. People ask me sometimes, how in the world did you come up with that message? What, was, what set you off? Those of you that know me for a while know my mind's pretty weird. So I'm going to first off go to 2 Timothy, 2, or 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, page 801. Paul writing to Timothy says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul told Timothy, just as he told, he told the Romans, that God's Scripture is there to teach us and to show us who, who He is. Paul says here, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've talked before about when we were in the Ukraine, uh, overseas as missionaries, and we were passing out Bibles. And I only saw this in the Ukraine, but I saw it in the Ukraine as we passed out the Bibles. They were tearing the Bibles so that they could share them. And I've said many times, well, how would it like to be the one who got the genealogies? So, with that mindset, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. It's in Numbers 7, beginning with verse 10, page 97 in the Pew Bible. Ninety-seven, beginning with verse ten, or number seven, beginning with verse ten, says, "Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. For the Lord said unto Moses, They shall offer their offering one leader each day for the dedication of the altar. And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Amminadab of the tribe of Judah." And his offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, and one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in, the, in his first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Amminadab. And you just read that passage, it's like, okay, that's interesting. I don't quite get it. So that was Numbers 10 through 17. Numbers 18 says, The second day, Nathaniel, the son of Zuar, the leader of Issachar, presented his offering. And guess what? His offering was a silver platter of, and gives exactly word for word. And then the, in Numbers 24, and the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, of the children of Zebulun, presented an offering. And guess what? It's exactly the same offering. And I'm not going to go through the other nine tribes. But as I was reading that, I've mentioned before, Deb and I are, have, have got two 
reading the Bible through in a year programs going. So the one she's got, uh, and, and we, we do them together. So we do one and the other. So we're reading the Bible through twice in a year at the way we're going. So the one she's got on one day you're reading the Gospels, on another day you're reading the, the Epistles, on another day you're reading uh, the Pente the uh, yeah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. On another day, you're reading Psalms. On another day, you're reading, you know, the prophets. So you're, you're going to a different section. But the one I've got is, you start in Genesis 1. So I'm reading through this. And as I'm reading through, about the time I get to the third or the fourth leader and reading that their offering was a silver platter of weight of 130 shekels and a silver bowl of the weight of 70 shekels, I'm like... What in the world? Couldn't you condense this down? And I remembered the scripture that I read a minute ago. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture of God, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped to every good work. Now think about that. You're reading about the offering of the 12, 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. And their offering is all the same. But they're each and every one written down in there. And if all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction and doctrine, it's profitable to teach us about God. What can I learn? What can I glean from the fact that all 12 heads of the tribes have their offering and their offering is all exactly the same and God didn't condense it, God didn't shrink it down because each one is important because each one is unique because even though it might be the same category, same thing, it's going to be a, char, a silver platter of this size, it's going to be a silver bowl of this size, it's going to be a golden pan of this size, it's going to be this many bowls, this many oxen, you know, this many rams. All of these things are the same, except all of these things were an individual gift. So even if what we bring to the Lord is no different on the outside than what somebody else brings, it is still precious to the Lord. It is still worthy of noting. God is still paying attention to what's going on. The patience of God is that it doesn't matter if everybody else says, oh, they're all the same. God says, you're unique, you're special, you're precious to me. The patience of God is that He loves us so much that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter how anyone else evaluates it. We are precious in His sight. He loves us and He draws us. God is patient with you and with me. God has drawn us through so many things. But He's always drawing us closer. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Each and every one of us, we are precious in the sight of a God who loves us, who cares for us, who desires to draw us near to Him. Me, I get, I get impatient. We had, Deb and I had been, talked about this, Deb and I had been reading and, and we were in Leviticus. And in Leviticus where they're laying out all of the offerings. And Deb says, how come there's so much repetition here? And it didn't key on it at that. I said, but wait till we get to numbers. You think it's repetitious in Leviticus? Wait till you get to numbers. <clears throat> knowing what was coming, not knowing the lesson God had for me, 
when we got there. I've read the Bible through many times. It's never clicked like it did this time. Because as we seek the face of God, as we seek to know Him, as we seek to come into His presence, He desires an intimacy that we haven't met yet, that we haven't seen yet. He, want, he loves us more than we can imagine. This is a God who is patient, who is long-suffering, who draws us, who loves us, wants to spend eternity with us. Praise God. I am very grateful that God uses my own shortcomings, uses my own impatience to introduce me just a little bit to His patience, uses my own sometimes short temper to show me just how loving and merciful He is and what He desires in my life and what He desires in all of our lives. God is patient not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's called us to be lights in this generation. Help us, Lord, to go share some of your love, some of your patience, some of your grace and mercy, some of your comfort with the people you put in our path. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We know, Father, your word will never return void never return void. It always does that that you send it forth to do. Lord, sometimes we don't understand the timing. Sometimes we don't understand the situations. Sometimes we don't even understand where we're at. But Lord, you are at work guiding and directing our steps. You are at work drawing us close to you. And we give praise for it, Father. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.